Boom. Happy Friday and welcome to the end of SEMA week. Not going to be much SEMA on this podcast, but that will be on the next podcast to follow. This week's podcast, though, is one not to be missed. Bill Schwimmer from DKP. You may remember him from being on the cover of March 2018 Hot VW's magazine with the Pepto-Bismol color squareback that was rebuilt by Russell Ritchie to emulate Bill Schwimmer's squareback that was featured in June 1986 VW Trends magazine. We got Bill on the podcast, talked to him about his history, all the stuff that went on, how DKP3 got back together, and all the things that go along with that. Next week, we're going to have a little SEMA special. Some of the guys that were in town for SEMA, uh, Michael Anderson with DubFab and Joe McRae with Rustology Garage, had them both in the studio. You guys might have seen a little bit of that on uh, Facebook and Instagram as we blasted a little bit earlier this week. So you guys will get that one next week. Remember, if you like the podcast, you want to support, go to letstalkdubs.com, go to the store, pick up one of our new cool shirts with the tagline, what's your VW story? And you know we love when you share the podcast with your fellow VW friends. If your friends haven't heard of the podcast, send it to them, text it to them, copy the link, paste it, text it, put it on your Facebook. We might be picking a couple people that repost the podcast on their Facebook page. Make sure that you tag us, Let's Talk Dubs on there, and I'll pick four people that get the most shares or the most likes on their sharing the podcast on their Facebook page. Those people get free shirts sent to them. Don't forget, tag Let's Talk Dubs in the post. So for now, let's go ahead and sit back and listen to Bill Schwimmer's story about Pepto the Squareback, his 59 ragtop, the history he's got in the Southern California VW scene. Right, everybody on today's podcast we've got uh, a member of dkp from southern california he's been pretty influential in the scene down there for quite a while you're familiar with a lot of his vehicles um and most importantly uh he was a listener request so remember if you guys have listener requests make sure you shoot them into bill at let's talk and we'll track people down and get them on the podcast and get their story and so on today's podcast we've got bill schwimmer and bill schwimmer has been in the vw scene for quite a while over 30 plus years and he's got he first had, I think one of his first feature cars was a 67 square back in VW Trends, June 1986 issue. And then since then, as time's gone on, he's uh, been influential in getting DKP back together in the late 80s. And also, uh, you may know him from his 1959 Euro uh, street bug. So, Bill, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Hey, so what I wanted to do... Um, as we start off the podcast, always what I want to talk to you about, and I know you've got a lot of roots in, in the Southern California cow look scene in the VW scene, uh, you know, for 30 plus years now. And what I want to do is first get your VW story into how you got into Volkswagens. Well, I got into Volkswagen because my interest when I was a kid was always uh, drag racing and hot rods and muscle cars and such. But, um, I got into Volkswagens because of my brothers, basically, um, you know, my brothers had Volkswagens because they were the, the cheap, youthful car of the time. And, uh, you know, I started paying attention to them. And, and when I got into high school, and you know, you figure out that chicks dig Volkswagens. And right. so I, I, that was kind of the path I went down. And, and uh, I, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. 
But um, and so what, and so what was your first Volkswagen that you purchased? My first Volkswagen I purchased was a 1972 Squareback um, that I purchased for my brother George. He, he was he was selling a car and I needed a car and I bought it from him and uh, had that for a while and lowered it and did its thing and it was you know it was just a kid's car and I ended up trading it to Dave Mason for a 57 ragtop and, and he, he had the Squareback and I had the ragtop so I kind of moved on from there. Nice. So you sold him the Squareback and then. You purchased a ragtop. Yeah, I, I traded Dave, um, Dave Mason, and um, so I had I had a I had the the '57 ragtop for a bit, and I ended up selling that at um, one of the late bug-ins, I, I probably bug-in 26 or 27 in that mm-hmm. range, and then I ended up buying another car from one of my other brothers. Um, it was a 70 Beetle. It was painted orange. My brother was a painter, so it was painted real nice and. Um, it was a nice finished car, but he, he wasn't that great of a – didn't have great mechanical skills, so it needed a motor and such. So I ended up buying that and putting a motor in it, and that actually became my first you know, nice finished car, and I became a DKK member with that car. And what year is this? Uh, about 1981. And so this is all taking place in Orange County? Yes. I, at that time, I, I was actually living in the city of Orange – and, um, you know, the VW scene was everywhere. Um, you know, Gene Berg was in city of orange run, you know, fat performance, uh, Ren, Renfrey motors, the VW dealer and, um, VWs. I mean, you, you couldn't shake a stick at every one of them. They're everywhere. Yeah. And so back then in those, so in the early eighties back then, what, what was the, what was the scene like, like on a typical Saturday night? Like, where would everybody go? What, what were the spots to go to? Because, you know, there, were, there was places, I'm sure, where the V8s went. There was places where the VWs went. Well, I mean, our one of our favorite spots was Whittier Boulevard. Um, and that was kind of a melding of everything. You know, I mean, there's uh, mini trucks and, and, and muscle cars and Volkswagens and, you know, just high school kids driving their parents' cars. And um, it, it was just an incredible time. And then um, we went. We met at a place in Anaheim called Camelot, and um, cruised the Mall of Orange, uh, Newport Beach, just just wherever we went. And um, the club scene was huge at that time. And there was always, literally every weekend, there was a, a rally or a car show. Um, there was always something to do. I mean, it, literally every every weekend of the year. And, and Camelot was like a Scandia type place. I think we had a place here in Vegas called Scandia, which is like a miniature golf arcade, yeah. like teen hangout type place. Basically a teen hangout. And, um, you know, it's where kids went to meet other kids. And, uh, you know, the cars were just part of it. Yeah. And so you had the you had the 70 Volkswagen at this time that you're that you're doing this. You've got this orange bug. That was your first that's your first like kind of nice car. You're saying like that's all kind of dialed in looking good and everything. Yeah, it was, it was shiny. And, you know, I, you know, I was 18 or 19 years old at the time. And it, it was it was a decent kid's car. And um, we built a motor for it with my friends, uh, 1835. And I got my first set of 48 IDAs and uh, made that run. And, you know, I, you know, we just sort of learned as we went. <clears throat> and so, yeah. This is uh, this is the seventy car. So your your 1970 car is the first one that you started making fast, or you're doing performance mods to most of them. Um, it's the first one to start making fast, I guess. It wasn't real fast, but um, you know, I, I 
it was the first car I went down a racetrack in at OCIR. And, um, <clears throat> it was, uh, my first, uh, where I dipped the toe into the hot rod VW world, I guess. Yeah. And so once you got on the racetrack, sort of drag, drag racing these cars, you were kind of hooked at that point. Yeah. I, I, I took, uh, some hiatus from it with, the uh, um, when I ended up building the Pepto car, I actually put that down the racetrack, but, uh, um, so you built later on. So, so, so well, I just want to get the, the, the chronologic order of, so you have the 70 square back and then you find this, then you find the 67 square back, which is the car, the famous Pepto square back. That's correct. I actually traded the orange, uh, the orange 70 for the beginnings of the Pepto car. Cause, oh, really? cause, cause when you went to, when you went to Buggins at OCIR, um, you had to stay the night before in order to get in if you, if you wanted to get in at a decent time. So Saturday night on sand Canyon was just mayhem, you know, it was parked, you know, cars parked everywhere. And I got the square back cause I wanted a place to sleep <laughs> and I wanted to, and I wanted a place to be able to put my, uh, my, my BMX bike in. Right. So it, it was just easier with a type three than it was, uh, the, than it was a beetle. Well, you know, in the, in the, back in the mid eighties like that, the the bug the VW bug people were like the mainstay, and then the Type Three people were a little bit fringe, and then the bus people were like way out in left field. And it, oh yeah, it, different than <laughs> different than it is today because now it seems like the scene is really all all makes all models. The more unique, the better. But they're all like if you're if you're doing if you're trying to do an early cow look style square back, people are kind of like eh, you, you, they're really suspect of that. But now it seems like whether you're doing a German look car or a cow look car or a cow style car or, you know, Hawaiian look, you can use any of the models and it's now pretty much acceptable because the style is more taken place than it used to be like, well, you can't make a cow look squareback because squarebacks can't be fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's exactly what we thought back then. And that's why I moved on into the, you know, later on and, and back into a beetle because, you know, a, a, a squareback's not a hot rod and, my my heart was always fast cars. Yeah, and so the squareback build. Now that's the car that you that, that's your first feature car. Yes. And so, what's that like? You're you're there. It's the hotbed of the VW scene, and your squareback gets featured in VW Trends. Well, it, it was kind of it, you know I, I was a kid, and you know we're we're building friend we're building cars with our friends. I was in DKK at the time. And uh, friends with uh, like Rick Meredith and uh, one of my close friends, Glenn Gasky and and Dave Mason and stuff. And, you know, we're literally kids and, you know, we're 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 putting these cars together. And I, I did the square back and, and it's when I first got it, it was India Red mm-hmm. and it got vandalized. And um, my brother Randy ended up painting it. So I, I took it all apart and, you know, sent it to a shop. And, um, you know, at the time the pastel colors were just, just starting to hit. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and he goes, well, what color do you want? I don't know. I go any color, but red. And, and literally those were the words out of my mouth. And so I left it there and three weeks later I came and got it and I looked at it and okay. And it was, it was a, a VW color. Really? Um, yeah, it's a, it's poppy lilac. Uh, I can't remember the code, but it's a, it's an actual Volkswagen color. But at the time, you know, that's, that's, 
that's what was going on, you sure. know, cause, cause it, it was, it was mo- moving away from, you know, the earth tones and the Porsche colors type of thing. And that's the direction it was, was the pink and aqua, you know, oh, I, I yeah. mean, graphics yeah. and two tone paints and crazy. Like it became the, the cars were more about the paint job kind of setting the tone. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, but if you look, if you look at things, you know, most things are on like a 30, 30 year spin. And, and that's what, that's how long it took for the original performance based Callup deal to come back. And if you look today, you know, the kind of the, the early to mid eighties cars, you know, they, they, they've, they've come back, you know, and people want to see them, you know, just, just to remember what it was like, but, but like the, the clothes and the music, you know, listening to the go-go's driving a pink car, that, that was pretty typical stuff. Yeah. So, so that's gotta be interesting that you know we saw earlier this year um or was it last year no it was last year it was march of 2018 where you're on the cover of hot vw's with the uh with a recreation of the pepto car um how did that so 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 let's finish with the pepto car first and we'll talk about the pepto recreation so you get the pepto car it's featured in the magazine i'm assuming shortly after it's done you take it to a show and because the color it's a huge standout and it's a square back so it's a huge standout you get it in the magazine. How much longer do you own the car for? Well, I, I that, that oh in the original car, the original Squareback, yeah. I I finished that car was a finished done car at the end of '83. It, it got the interior put in right before the last bug in, so it got shown then, and it still had it polished eight spokes and such on it. And then in '84, it got a set of Fuchs on it, and then it was actually features on, featured on the cover of um, VW Porsche, which is a magazine, and that was in '80, uh, like mid '84 or summer of '84. Yeah. And um, you know, I was blown away. I was, I was a 22 year old kid with a magazine, you know, uh, with a car on the magazine cover. You yeah. know, it was just, <laughs> you know, you, I couldn't believe it. Your immediate resources helped you build the car. I mean, your brother painted it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Friends put it together, built the motor, did all that stuff. Yeah, and um, so I so I have that car through early '86 when um, the VW Trends, when the actual magazine came out, I didn't own it anymore. I, I had I had already traded the car off um, when when it was when uh, Eric Geiser shot the shot the feature. I I think I I traded it off. You know. Uh, very shortly after maybe maybe a month or so after so what was that like seeing the magazine with your car with your car in it and then you don't have the car anymore um well it was a little disappointing but <laughs> at, at, at that time you know we you know you, you you do a car and you finish it and you know your mind's spinning you're a kid and you have energy and you like doing stuff and and your mind's on to the next one you know that's, yeah, you're ready that's for how car. i did it sure yeah and so now you take a. Uh, do you get another car after this, or now you take a break from the VW scene for a little bit? No, I, I traded that. I, I I traded, you know, the the Pepto car, which is a nice, you know, finished car for the time. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty pretty well known deal. I traded it for my my '55 Oval, you know, that had a, you know, kind of a race drivetrain. Uh, you know, I traded it for a car that. I don't, I don't know if it ran at the time that, and it came in boxes, you know, but, uh, I had, I had, you know, good engine parts. I had Fumio heads and IDAs and I had all the, all the parts to start, 
you know, a really nice car. Right. And, and then that was, that was the next one, you know? And so that, and so that car, what, it, what ends up happening with the squareback? So who do you trade the squareback to? And did you ever, have you ever tracked down like what happened to, is it still around? I saw, I, I traded to, to a guy I knew and, you know, he had it for a bit and it passed through a few hands. And the last time I saw it was at fat performance, I would guess in the very late eighties, possibly early ninety. And, um, it was there because the motor was broken and, and it, it, it looked like, you know, it, it got worn down. And so, and that was the last time I saw it. It was still intact at the time, but at the time, that's kind of how those things happened, you know, because yeah, even the nicest car, you know, you know, a car could win bugging and then, you know, somebody would buy it for their 16 year old kid. And, and that was the end of it. You know, they, they just got worn down and parted out or crashed or what. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I totally get it because these cars are built. And then at the time that they're being built, they're built for like, they're built to a completely different, like a different level of restoration or customization today than they were built in the 80s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, I, I think the it, degree that they go to is back then it was like it mostly stays running car, probably leave the same wiring harness in it new carpet, new interior paint job, and you're kind of done. You know what I mean? Versus like blowing the whole body off the chassis and detailing every nut and bolt like, you know, like, like they do today versus what they did back in the, you know, back in the eighties. But, but you got to realize the cars were still new, you know? I mean, I mean, my, my, my 70 bug in, you know, in 1981 was an 11 year old car, you know? And you know, that's, that's just an average used car. Yeah. And, uh, if if you had something that came off the pan and with a paint in a pan and all that, you know that 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 was your bug in best of show winner. That that was a a pretty high end deal. Most of them just got the windows popped out and got painted and put back together. And so you get the you get the new you get the oval window that you trade for the square back, and then what happens with the oval window? Well, it, when I got it, it had a basically like a full race gearbox. It had no interior. It, it was a, it was kind of a, a painted car that got worn down a little bit. And uh, I got it going with a, um, had a 1776 with IDAs and that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had some touch up done on the paint and it, it made it a pretty decent presentable car. And I uh, raced it for a little bit with the 1776. And, and at the same time, I was, I became friends with Mark Veckley at Gene Berg and you know, I, and what he what he taught me was immense. Um, yeah. You know, I, I learned you know how to make power, and I, I start hanging around the right people. So we, at the time, it was still a running driving car. We were assembling a, a seventy eight by ninety and a half, you know, motor with uh, Fumio Fukaya heads and an FK eighty nine, and uh, you know, a bucket of compression. It was, it was basically a, a a B modified compact car with license plates and a muffler. Nice. Yeah. And so, you know, when, when that motor went in, you know, we, you know, I drag raced it up and down the West coast and street raced it. And it wasn't much for street driving, yeah. but, uh, it, it was, it was, it was a load of fun to, to when you got after it. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Um, I think anybody that's got a fast, you know, fast VW, um, especially something with 48s on it, even, I mean, even if it's three quarters tuned right and it's got the right setup on it, I mean, those things are ripping fast and it's, it's like an addiction. Once you drive a fast Volkswagen, it's like all of a sudden you feel like 
Clark Kent can bust out the <laughs> yeah. Superman at any given moment. And that's, I think that's part of the allure of driving a fast Volkswagen is, is surprising the guy next to you, you know? Well, for me, a fast Volkswagen is to me, it's, it's the punk rock of the automotive world because it's not supposed to be fast. Right. And it's, it's just annoying. And it, you know, it, to me, it pokes, you know, it, it's a finger in the eye of the rest of the auto hobby because you know what? If you race a Volkswagen, you, you you're gonna, you know, if you lose, you lost to a Volkswagen, and if you win, you just beat a, you know, big right. deal. There's, you beat a Volkswagen. There's no you, you, like it's a lose lose no matter which way it ends up for you. Yeah, and you know, and we we did it, you know, just because we we're just annoying kids, you know, and sure. you know, you know, and you you know, you can you can take a a, a small block Camaro and. and put nitrous on it and that whole thing and and, and you know it, it'll go 11s falling out of a tree but sure. you know you do that in a volkswagen and it's 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 quite a feat and, and you know most of the vw guys are, are kind of a little bit more thinkers i guess you know because to to make make something make four times the original power and and still drive around on the street you know it, it's it's an accomplishment i think yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a pretty involved task, and to make it live, I mean, you really got to put some yeah. time and effort to, to get something that doesn't grenade after five thousand miles, or five miles. Yeah, you know what I mean, because <laughs> because you're really tweaking these things and pushing them way past the point that they were designed to to be pushed to. But, I, I mean, in my experience with them, I, I, when I had a fast street bug, it was like you know, it was like a drug. You just go out there and you're just, you're trying to race everything on the way to the grocery store. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you get the 57, you finish that car, that's kind of your street car, and Pepto kind of goes, you trade Pepto for the for the new oval, and then you build that car, have a little street car. Now, the whole time, are you into VWs, or do you kind of step out of the scene for a little bit? Because you're still in DKK at this time, right? Well, D, by this time, DKK had folded. It, it, it folded probably about 85, so we're kind of on our own. So what happened yeah. with, the, with the club kind of folding? Is it the typical scenario of people are just kind of aging out of the scene, getting families, doing that stuff, pulling out, selling their cars? Or what, what happened with the DKK? Well, to a, to, that is to a degree. And, but what happened was OCIR closed and the buggins went away. So, I mean, OCIR was, you know, in our backyard. So and and that was the core events was you know two bug ins and two drag days and that's those are the events you went to you never had to leave you know the Los Angeles basin to go anywhere right. so spoiled so bug in yeah spoiled you know the Orange County rope you know yeah, call it. they call it the Orange Curtain behind the Orange Court Orange yeah. Curtain everything's happening over there for VWs so when the bug ins went away you know I, I think the scene took a little dip. And in order to go to events, you had to travel. You, know, you had to go to Sacramento or Bakersfield or, or whatever. You know, the, 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 the scene took a shift. And, and instead of, you know, just showing up on a Saturday night, you actually had to go somewhere. And so I think that was its demise. And, and on the flip, you know, when I, when I got my 55, you know, our folk, my focus turned to racing. You know, so I took a year and, you know, I raced it. And, you know, I went to Seattle or, or wherever, if it was running and I had a toe and there was a race, that's where we went. 
Yeah, so you kind of pulled out of the car scene, less about yeah. the cruise-ins and all that stuff, and more focused on like, hey, there's a drift. Because there is still, to, the, to this day, there's a bit of a discrepancy. I don't want to say discrepancy, but just two different dynamics of like the car show, car club, cruising kind of people, and then like the fast the fast streetcar guys. Like the streetcar guys yeah. nowadays are more just focused on where's the next race and tweaking their car for the next race. And it's they're not that concerned about showing up at the Friday night, you know, the Friday night. Yeah, uh, yeah, they drive in and just kind of hanging out and you know meeting up with the well, guys just to bs well so i went racing for a little bit and you know i and i just wanted a car that would actually drive on the street you know more than five minutes yeah so um i you know lowered the compression and changed the cylinder heads and the cam and put an interior in it and ending up driving it around for you know a, a little while longer and um you know, but, but at that time, what, what I want to, what I want to say though, and this is 80, 86 through 88, mm-hmm. um, you know, the cowlick scene was, was kind of dry, but, but having, um, and the cowlick know, like scene, like, it kind of gave way to the, like the neon color cars, the mega show yeah. cars, like uh, the, the scene evolved, you know, back then from like, cool street drivers that were like, wow, it's a fast Volkswagen. Like, okay, everybody builds a fast Volkswagen. Now let's do one with 60 mirrors underneath it. It's on a rotating table. And it started, the scene started kind of going that way with the main focus, right? Yeah. But at the time with the, with my oval window, it was a a solid earth tone car. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was kind of, it was Porsche cashmere beige and it, you know, I mean, it wasn't show car detail, but it was a functional, decent car. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I always wanted to build a car with BRMs and with, you know, there were no replicas back then. You had to actually get a set of BRMs. And what year and is so, this? 1987, I got my first set of BRMs. Yeah. So BRMs and, at that point are like hen's teeth. I mean, they've really just kind of disappeared off the market because they were popular back in the early, yeah. early seventies. Yeah. Correct. And so in order to buy a set of BRMs, you actually had to, you know, know somebody, you know, there, there's a handful so I ended up buying a set and cause I wanted a car, I, you know, I wanted a fast street car that looked like, you know, a, a, an early seventies style Cowlick car. Yeah. And, uh, um, my friend Greg Brinton, you know, he, he bought a car that came out of DKK and he still owns it today is black 67. And, uh, Dave Mason, you know, he, he was building a kind of a fast street car and, at that point, you know, 1988 is when we started, you know, are, are the are the 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 origins of DKP of DKP three and the um, kind of the Cowlick revival, for lack of a better term. And you know, that, and, and, it, and how does that start? Like, are you guys so you guys are like, man, really kind of paying homage to like the the the, the early 70s, late 60s street racers and like, oh, this is kind of cool. I'm, I'm going a little bit throwback, a little bit kind of I mean, how's that? How does that come about? Well, it comes about because we those, you know, myself and Greg and Dave, we all grew up in the city of Orange, you know, in, in Tustin, basically. And. You know, in the in the seventies, seventy five, you know that sort of thing. Those were the cars you saw on the street. That is your first memory of Cowlick cars. Are those, you know, kind of subtle, fast cars? Yeah. And um, when I was a kid and just starting to, 
go to go to stuff dkp2 was still around and those kind of those were the cars they had so it, it was it was a throwback to cars we saw when we were kids because we we i guess we had kind of evolved from the from the flashy paint loud stereo deal into you know the pure callot thing of performance and subtle you know walk softly carry a big stick sort of thing right you guys were, and, you guys were more less less frills in all business correct and um at the time i'll say 1988 and i was just talking with greg brenton yesterday we would go to a volkswagen event with me and myself and greg and dave and we were the outcast you know because we had these very plain cars you know, I had a zillion dollars in the motor and, and stuff and, you know, old, you know, old wheels and stuff. And, and we were the, we didn't fit in at Volkswagen events yeah. and we didn't, we didn't fit in at hot rod events either. Cause we had Volkswagens that yeah. were, that were basically hot rods. But, nice. um, and that's, that was kind of the, the genesis of, um, you know, of the current Dequiner Panzers. Cause we all had, DKP decals because that was part of the thing. And we, we had talked to uh, Ron Fleming and, and some of the earlier members about what we were doing and, and they were all on board. Yeah. And so, um, and, so that, and so that was my next question. How do you get to say, okay, listen, these are the cars that we kind of idolized when we were young. We're now creating, we, we want to get back to the roots of like 70s cow, cow look, street car, street racer. Um, who? How do you go about who do you talk to and say like, Hey, we want to start the club up again. Cause probably a lot of these guys are, have maybe sold their cars and they're focusing their business or doing whatever. So how do you, who do you get in touch with and how do you kick the club back up again? Well, um, we talked to Ron and, um, uh, Mike Dumphy, uh, who was a DKP two member. There was a, you know, they, they had moved on, but they're always on the periphery. You know, Ron was heavily involved in the motor business, but, yeah, um, they were just kind of, yeah, they were on, they were on the peripheries and they they saw what we were doing and they were on board and so we started, you know, it, it was just three of us and it just sort of it, it collected all the people all the like minded people that were on the fringes and it kind of snowballed and um, the the September uh, 1990 issue of um, Hot VWs when the the six cars on the cover and, and, and at that same time gary bird had rebuilt his his blue 67 mm -hmm. and it kind of in the same vein well not in the same vein i mean that that was that was the car we were modeling our stuff after was gary's car sure and so you know all these people you know and it's before the internet it's before you know uh social media so all these people that were kind of on the fringes it's kind of collectively started hanging out together and that was the the genesis of the you know cow revival through the 90s and 2000s i guess and yeah. it kind of took off from there yeah I, I know i remember distinctly um the first year that i took my bus out to debut it was 2001 uh i'd gotten out of the scene for a little bit and then had a couple of basic street cars and then I got married, settled down, had a kid and I started building my bus. And the first meet that I went to, uh, I want to say I, they were at Dairy Queen before soup, before Nick's, right? It was all, it, it was, it was, it was Dairy Queen. And, and that's who we started with was, was Dairy Queen. 
Yeah, because I remember yeah, going I to you know the first the first Southern California show I went to was the nineteen eighty nine or ninety VW Jamboree that they had at um, they had it at the uh, Orange County Fairgrounds. And yeah, well, I mean, coming from the desert, living here in Vegas, I, I go out there and my eyes are like popping out of my head because here's all the cars that like I have to wait months to see in the magazine. They're all here on display. And so the next time I come back out there for a show is I go from 1990, 91 to getting out of the scene for a couple of years, getting back in the scene then debuting my bus in 2001. But I remember coming out to Dairy Queen and I was just like, it was insanity. I mean, and those <laughs> really, you know, for the, so, so since then, so since 2000, I've been going every year to the classic without fail. So we're talking 18, 18, 19 years now. Um, 18 years I've been going to the classic every single year. And the, the Friday night meets were like my absolute <laughs> favorite part, you know, and, and that's where I date, you know, the debut row or the cars come out that get debuted that year. Like all that stuff just makes it such an epic event. And it's just such a cool vibe to be there. And I, you know, I think they, it, it stopped last. Well, what are they doing? Cause now this whole thing with the classic being all funky and all this stuff, but we'll talk about that in a minute. So, yeah. so at this time you guys are starting, when do you guys start doing the big, cause you, that, that was like your guys normal club meet spot, correct? Well, we had at that time from DKP, we'll say from the, from the, well, 1990, through about 98 was a very very loose organization it it seemed like we sort of had it all together and it was it was uh it wasn't dysfunctional but it wasn't very organized you know and and classic was our big meet and i i i think i've been to every classic um you know from 1986 through last year i i know i've been to every one and had a car my my ragtop since i've owned it's been to every classic yeah but um, so we, we made a shift and it was in 98 when, um, you know, we kind of sat down and had a come to Jesus meeting with what was going on. And it's like, you know, either we're going to do this or not. And we kind of got it together and uh, organized a bit better and, you know, got a hold of Dairy Queen, you know, and, and we started having monthly meetings and we started having the pre-classic cruise nights. At, uh, at Dairy Queen slash Nick's slash whatever it was at that time. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> at, but, but see that, that location, it has been a kind of a street race hangout for decades. Now, you is, know, is, is Nick's, is, was Nick's in the same place that Dairy Queen was or are they two yes. different locations? So it was the same. No. It's basically the same business, just changed the restaurant. Yeah. The sign's different out front. Right. But um, that that location had had been a street race hangout since probably the early 70s. So, I mean, it's, you know, it turned over and did different things, but um, it was a good location. And, you know, the first couple of uh, pre-classic cruises were nice and mellow in it. And, you know, towards the end, it was just mayhem. It was was beyond our control because (laughs) we, we, we tried to have... You know, we tried to put on this thing with with minimal effort and impact because we're all pretty lazy and not very organized. Yeah, nobody so, wants to be in charge. Everybody just wants to hang out. Yeah, nobody wanted to be in charge. <laughs> yeah, and I think the the last uh, the last event there, I probably had to had to talk Fullerton PD down probably five times in one night, and and after that, I, I was kind of done with it because 
it's out of control. It, yeah. it was out of control, but it was, it was the best of times, you know, and it's something that you just can't, I don't know if history can, if that history can ever repeat, but it was just an amazing time. It's only the original one. I, I remember just leaving. I was so stoked to be there in my bus. And when I pulled out of Dairy Queen, I just roasted him in my bus. <laughs> yeah. And then, I remember. And then, cause, cause for me, the biggest oxymoron is a powerful bus, especially in 2000. Nobody was having, nobody had yeah. big power buses and all that stuff. And I had that type four in there. And, and then when I left, my favorite of all is when, you know, I look at my Gia when I debuted my Gia there and everybody, yeah. everybody's like white glove in their car up to the space. You know, everybody's like super, super careful with their cars. And I'm like, all right, I'm out of here. I just slam the door and I, and I pull out and there's a huge crowd around me. So you can't not roast them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, oh yeah. I've got a little video online on my YouTube page and that it's got there was video that other people took back in 2009 of my car from two different angles, one across the street, one directly behind it. And there's just, it's so crazy because you're, it's like, it's like, okay, you're, you're on stage now. What are you going to do? And it's like, I remember the year Jesse James got pulled over out in front by, <laughs> by the police department. I mean, it's just, it was so crazy. All the stuff. And you knew like, okay, when people started leaving, you don't be the last one to leave because then the cops are there, but you want to be one of the first yeah. ones to leave. So you can really lay down some patch on your way out. And then that's where it started getting kind of chaotic, you know? Well, it was, it, it was, it was awesome, but it was just something that was just on the very edge of chaos. Yeah. I mean, just a razor's edge of something well, really going sideways. Yeah, I remember one one or two years, man, that, the parking lot across the street at that dollar store, whatever the case was, that place was, there'd be a hundred people across the street sitting in yeah. chairs just waiting for people to start pulling out because they knew they knew it was the exhibition of power on your way out of, on your way out of the meet. And you felt badly, you know, I, listen, when I was leaving the Gia, I'm like, I hope these guys don't think I'm a jerk, but I am going to lay some patch when I'm pulling out of here in the Gia. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, the first guy who does it, then it kind of starts after that. And it's going to be short lived because someone's calling the cops pretty quick. And well, the cops were already there. They were just down the street <laughs> and they, they either, they, they either choose to engage you or they don't, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, some of those times, man, it was like, you know, the, I think. For those people that didn't get to experience it, man, there's I, I've got a video that uh, it's on one of my other YouTube channels that I'll probably release on my. Um, uh, it's from the two, it's from the 2009 uh, DKP meet, and I t it's probably like a six minute video of me walking around and just videotaping some of the cars are there. And one of the really cool things about it was you got to preview all the cool cars before anyone got to see the cars. Yeah, you know, and and that whole thing, I, I think it was one of the coolest things is. You know, when would they have that section for the debut cars? Like if it's being debuted that year and you know some people make some phone calls, you get reserve a spot for your car and you got to get there at like noon for the event that starts at four. <laughs> it started we, crazy. We used to get people showing because uh, John Rayburn and I would go and set out the cones and kind of tape off the area for the club. And, and we were trying to get people just to show up a little bit later, but we could go there at 6:30 a.m. and there's people start to park cars there, and, and it's just after, after a while, you know, and, and at about noon the, the parking lot's locked up. You know, it's it's oh, just done. Yeah, like if you showed up to town late, you're coming from out of town. You showed up late, man. Unless unless somebody's made special provisions for you, you yeah. And even if they did, you're not getting in. Like after 12, 12 and the thing starts at four, and then at, at about two o'clock, it's packed. There's no more cars gonna fit. 
and it's like absolute chaos. I mean, I remember one year, uh, my buddy Chris had parked in a parking lot right next door, and he had a VW helicopter. <laughs> oh, I remember that thing. <laughs> he had the VW <laughs> helicopter, and I'm like, man, you're just going to get everything at this show. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And it's funny because you get there early. If you get there early, you're just you're just staying. You're not leaving because yeah. you, you, there's no way you're out of there. But I mean, there was I think '09. You know, the the pre-tens was going to be, at least from my perspective, was some of the times. I mean, you had the guys from Canada coming down. Uh, you know, you had, you know, Buddy was debuting cars. Uh, it was, oh, yeah. Like, because like it started, I think, really getting hot, like, 03 when, like, Randy Gates' car comes out. You know? Yes. That, Wait, for, before for then, us, Aaron Broughton and, and Ryan Reed, you know? Well, Aaron's... Aaron got the first DKP club pick and it was for, for us, it was the easiest one because it, you know, everybody looked at that thing and go, okay, done. he won. And yeah. yeah. Got because it. nobody, because, and that's what I was trying to tell people. Some people did some detail, but when Aaron brought that car out and we had Aaron on the podcast, he was one of my, one of my first <laughs> 10 episodes, but you know, that's what I talked with him about. And, and what was so unique about that is they brought that hot rod flair and detail into the VW scene because the, both him and Ryan worked at SoCal Speed Shop yeah. and Fat Jacks and places like that. And when you saw that car, it was like this unassuming, had the perfect stance, diamond green oval, and you kind of yeah. roll up on it. And as soon as you just start looking at the glove box hinges or the seat, the seat brackets, like the little detail stuff that was over the top man it's like so that that first year was easy to give the award out well the the award i mean you you're in contention for it i mean it got it was i'm a you know, type after four that, i'm a type four guy yeah. so i'm a, <laughs> i'm yeah. always on the verge <laughs> well but but i mean you're 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 type 34 i mean it, it was it was a contender i mean a for real contender and um Oh, we had some heated stuff. I mean, you know, I, I mean, it, it went round and round on, on what the pick was after a while because, because after Aaron's car, you know, the bar went crazy. Oh, yeah. And, and, oh, we, we, we struggled with some, some picks sometimes, yeah. you know, on who, who's going to want, you know, it, it takes us an hour to debate it and talk it over and scream about it and, that whole thing we that, that was that was some interesting so, conversation so what is the biggest so it's, since i got you on for the scoop what was the biggest in club disputes that would be like someone would believe that for the car to have the club pick it's gotta fit a cow look theme or what well what, what was the big controversy because usually some guys just go look i like it. it's got big power it looks cool it's original that should get the award and someone's like no it doesn't fit x y and z criteria is that were those the arguments um, sometimes, I mean, cause your, your carbon, the, the carbon crew cab, that was yep. in contention one time too, but at the end of the she day, had 48s on her, <laughs> <laughs> but it, at the end of the day, we, we tried to do it like a, I, I want to call traditional type cowlick car sure, and, and, um, but, but sometimes it went beyond that, but something that that's important that. I think that some people don't understand is it always had to be a functional car, you know, because if we, if, if we saw your car, you getting unloaded across the street and you kind of nosed it in and it wasn't running right and stuff that, that was a big deal to us. I mean, sure. it, it had to be a functional, a functional deal that, that could do its business if it had to. And, um, 
you know, and, it, and if it was too over the top, you know, quasi show car, that kind of detracted. And that, that's, that's sometimes why you saw cars, uh, I, I want to say of a lesser build, you know, right. not necessarily a, a Buddy Hale type of thing, but something uh, that might have been built in somebody's garage. Yeah. And you saw that car win over, you know, something that was obviously higher detail and stuff. But that, mm-hmm. That's the reason why. Well, but, and really, um, I mean, I think I think if you this is just my two cents and maybe it's just because I've never I think when I got humbled and I, not even, I can't even say I got humbled. I wanted one thing. I wanted I wanted my car at the VW Classic. And with my original bus, I got my first place on the first show that I showed the bus at. After that, I was like, yeah, I don't care. My mission accomplished. And uh, after it was all said and done, I got my car in a magazine. That's all that mattered to me. So my focus was less trophies and more magazine coverage because I wanted to share what I built with people. And pre-internet, yeah. that's kind of how you did it. And so uh, my, my attitude's always been when you show up to an event like that, I, I show up for the experience. I, I'm not really uh, – my most prized award is from Bugarama 54. My bus is on, the, is on all the artwork for the show. And yeah. I have the second place trophy in my class. And I, <laughs> and so it's the irony of like, that's my bus on the shirt. And I even got second place and it was because it was people's choice, but I didn't care. Like, I love it because it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I go for the experience. Uh, if you, if you get all wrapped up about awards and all this kind of stuff, you know, I mean, people get, people get a little sensitive about that stuff and, and I'm, I'm completely cool with it. I'm like, whatever, no big deal. Yeah. Man. You know, I get, yeah. I, I get, and and I know that both times having my car out there, I knew I was in contention for the award, but I said, Hey, look, it's no big deal, man. This car doesn't fit the DKP vibe. I mean, it's a, my car's always been just a little bit different and I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. so it's, it's like me coming into your house and trying to dictate your guys rules. I'm not doing that. Like you guys do what you do and I'm no, I'm not sore about it. And, and if more people were like that with shows, because usually it's like shows and clubs, that's what start, starts pulling things apart, like differences of opinions and, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. But, no, I mean, you know, the heyday of the of the DKP meets, man, are just I, – I miss them. <laughs> I mean, I got to be honest with you, I think, like, they're, they were some well, of the most unique just, – just, just the vibe that was there, really. Well, it, it was the greatest free event there was, you yeah. know. I mean, all, all you had to do is, is, is show up early enough to get a parking spot and, and you're in, you know. And, and, I th- but, and I think that the organicness of it, like, is what made it great because it's like a no frills. There's no awards. It's a meet. It's a hangout. It's like show up yeah. and talk shop. Check out some stuff you haven't seen. And here's a location that you don't got to pay to get in. You can grab a burger, hang out, and sit there and look at cars and, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, you know, back to the different styles, you know, you know, I, I mean, I, I've been to a zillion classics and, you know, half the time I don't go fill out the card because it's like, eh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, don't. <laughs> that's, that sounds like work, you know, well, yeah, they, have to they, stand around and, and, and they, they got around that because they, they forced you to turn in your, your voting card <laughs> to get your, so you had to fill out a registration card to get a voting card. Once you got the voting card, you had to turn a filled in. You had to turn in a filled out voting card to get your dash plaque. And you know, yeah. like, I was just like my attitude's always been like, "Hey, I'm here to support. I'll pay." I go to car shows all the time where I pay the entrance fee. I never fill out the thing, and I just do it to support the scene because it's more about just because sometimes I don't want to hang out for eight hours. You know what I mean? Like I'll show yeah. up, I'll park where I can just ghost out real quick, and but it's more about just supporting the scene and and having a good time. You know, so. Well, plus, I mean, in in my eyes, 
you know, with the different styles and stuff, you know, cause everybody's got different tastes and, you know, and, and if you build the car for yourself, you'll always be happy with it. But if you're building cars to win a car show or to be popular in other people's eyes, you know, you're going to be disappointed Yeah. because at the end of the day, the owner is the only person that has to pay to look at it. You know, everybody else can walk up and look at it for free, but it, it you know, it costs that guy 20 or a hundred grand or whatever it costs to build to get and a that's bunch what of, he had to pay to look at it. Yeah. To get a bunch of free unsolicited advice from other people go, I would have done that. Yeah. <laughs> I would have done like, this. Eh. <laughs> I would have done that. And then you're just like, you hate people after that. You're like, wait a second. I built this work of art for you guys to enjoy. And you guys want to come in here and cast your two cents. But I guess it's, it's, it's all in what your in what your mode is for building those cars. And if you're building them for fun, you know, then that's, that's the key, man. I mean, that's what it comes down to. You look at like who else would drive a lilac. One of my, one of my friends here in Vegas back in the late eighties had a lilac square back. It was all lilac, the whole thing. And we used to call it pink and he'd get really upset, but it, and he got it from his older brother. And so he's, he's my age 47. So his older brother's got to be his early fifties. He got the car from his older brother, which I'm sure was inspired by your car in the magazine. And that, and, and, and Sean's lilac square back, my buddy here in town was like, Ooh, everybody knew that car because it was this pink wagon that went down the road and, and it really stood out, but but that's when it was fun. That's when it was like make something cool, a little bit outrageous, fun to cruise, and like and really, I remember looking at your seat selection for like, hey man, I can recline these and crash in my car. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. And, and everybody, there, there was a purpose behind everything, really. Yeah. yeah. So now th- there was back in the, back in those days, there was huge overlaps back in the eighties with like skateboarding, BMX, and you know, and the whole car scene, especially, the, especially the VW scene, you know, I mean, even 86, there's a, a VW trans with a guy doing like a tabletop over, uh, over a convertible or something like that. Yeah. The, the convertible gear. Yeah. 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 I was just looking at that issue when I was, when I was scrounging up this issue that I'm looking at that, uh, that's got your square back in it, but you know, we're working on something here in Vegas that, uh, is going to combine all that stuff hopefully in the next year or so. I mean, that you're, you're getting a slight preview. Podcast listeners are getting a little preview of what may be coming up for Vegas, but we're we're trying to do we're trying to do something that's going to be going to be something no one's done before. So, but we'll keep everybody updated. On it. So, moving forward onto your '59. So, your most popular car that you're known for the most is your '59 Ragtop. Yeah. What's the story on that car? Well, I had I I had the '55 oval window for a while. And, um, I, I kind of, I had it for a few years and, and that was kind of my, uh, attention span was about two or three years for a car. And, um, and then there were, I, I'd move on and it was an, it was a, a 12 second pump gas car with magnesium BRMs, you know, it, it was, a, it was a pretty bitching car and it, it sat for, you know, a month or two and I wasn't doing anything with it. And I kind of looked at it and I'm, eh, you know, I'm going to move on. And, um, my roommate at the time was uh, he was Ron Wood, and um, he used to run Dick Adams uh, events in the, in the mid '80s. Mm-hmm. And Dick Adams had an Envimo Porsche replica. He had a Berg five-speed alloys and stuff. It, it was a it was a pretty bitchin' car. And so I decided I needed that one day, and um, I ended up selling the oval window to Dino Don to Japan to Akira 
to Akira's Bihas. Mm -hmm. And so he bought the oval window and I turned around and, and bought the 356 from, from Dick Adams. And I had it for, I actually only had it for a few months and, um, it was cool. It was, you know, nice bitchin' black car with, with Fuchs. And I was 25 years old driving this thing around. Like I was something, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, but at the end of the day, it just didn't feel right. It felt like driving a Toyota for some reason. Yeah. And, um, I just, I had enough of it. And, um, I was at the Berg shop and Gary Berg was just finishing up, um, the, when he rebuilt the blue 67, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, I'm out there in the shop looking at it and thought, you know, I, this is, this is what I need. You know, I, I need another one of these. And I, I wanted, I, I, I'm always kind of on the fringes of things. And I, I wanted a, a big window rag top with semaphores. That was the car I wanted because it's just an oddball, you know, a, a 58 and 59. It's, it's like a conglomeration of parts. It's got oval window parts and, you know, yeah. later square window parts. And, and to me, that's perfect, you know, because it's just an oddball machine. Right. And I decided that was what I needed. And uh, Dino Don had had a car. And I was looking through the auto trader and, you know, I see a picture of it. And it was um, it was a finished car, you know, interior paint, um, had chromies on it. You know, this nice little mundane looking finished car. And he was trying, he kept trying to, to buy my 356 replica. Yeah. And so I called him up. I go, yeah, you know, you know, I come by and take a look at the rag top and the, and the, the ad for it had reversed because it said it was, it was gray with a coral red interior. So I thought it was a gray car with a red interior. And he goes, no, the ad's wrong. It's a coral red car with a gray interior. Mm, okay. Gray, gray with coral red. <laughs> yeah. So I go, so I go and look at it and it, it was a car that had been painted and upholstered and it was a, it was a really nice car at, at the time, but it needed to have the details brought in. Yeah. And, um, and, um, so I thought, oh, okay. And it, and it had a, you know, typical Berg, you know, 1776 with DCNFs, you know, and every nut and bolt out of the Gene Berg catalog for a 1776 was on that thing. And I yeah. thought, well, that, you know, that's good. And so I ended up, traded him the Porsche for the rag top. And so I got the whole, I got the car and a set of magnesium, uh, American five spokes and, you know, boxes of parts. I just kept, you know, pointing at stuff and say, you got to give me that too. So I, you know, I ended up with, you know, the, basically the contents of his garage and the rag top for the Porsche. Nice. And, um, so I brought it home and I drove it around for a little bit. And now at this time that car is sitting, on BRMs, or it's on stock wheels, or what kind of wheels is it on at the time? It, it's on it's on chromies at the time. Yeah, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of lo lowered in the front a little bit. It's very very friendly looking little car, you know. Right. And, but it was it was fresh. It was nicely done, and um, so I I, I had really wanted the um, you know the American uh, racing you know five spokes I got. So I detailed them. Yeah, I detailed them. Did my thing with them. And uh, I, I went to put them on one day in the driveway, and I used the uh, lug bolts that Don had given me, and he had them on his Type Three on his notch, you know, uh, you know, seven years before or so. Right. The and four, so I, the fourteen millimeter ones. Um, they're they're actually they were twelve. I, I can't remember how it worked out, but um, the big ones. They were not the right size. 
Yeah, but the 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 bolts I got anyway. So I jacked the car up in the driveway, and I'm I'm putting wheels on one side of it, and, I, and they're on. And um, I let the car off of the jack, and it started raining. And so I I hopped in the car to pull it in the dry, in the garage, and it's got two two different wheels on it. It's got Americans on one side and Crummies on the other. Uh-huh. Well, well, the lug bolts that Don had given me were too long, and it ripped when I pulled it in the driveway it, in the garage. It ripped the brakes off the one side of the car. Oh wow! <laughs> and uh, I just thought, oh man. And so I just I rolled it in the garage and put the cover back over it, and. Um, I went to uh, a week later was the uh, event in um, in Phoenix, and uh, you know I had already owned a set of BRMs with the oval window that I I let go with that. Mm-hmm. So, you know th- that's kind of where my heart was. Yeah. And so we're walking around the swap meet, and it, it's uh, myself and Gary Berg and Mark Herbert, and so we're we're walking around, and uh. This family had literally just walked in in the gate, in the entrance gate, and they're they're maybe 20 steps in the event. And this the the little kid has this uh, sign on his back. It says Speedwell Mags for sale. <laughs> and I, I look at that, and I you know I started running after the poor kid, and I grabbed his shoulders and I spun him around. You got BR, and he's all. You know, it kind of shocked him. Yeah, we get ended up, this guy off me. <laughs> yeah, ended up ended up talking to the to the guy, and um, he had a set of BRMs on a 356 Porsche that he took off and he put chromies on the Porsche. Oh, get out of here! So he had a you know a set of mag BRMs in their car out in the uh, in the swap meet. This is in Phoenix. This is in Phoenix. What are the odds? So. We, you know, and, and, you know, Mark and Gary, are, oh man, you know, cause I saw him first. Right. Yeah. You guys still move on him. I, t- I, I, I saw it first. So we, we ended up going out there and he wanted 900 bucks, you know, for a set of Mac oh, BRMs. Come on. That's so the we, best story ever. <laughs> so, but I didn't have 900 bucks on me. So I had to go back in and borrow money from anybody I could <laughs> get it from. <laughs> That's so awesome. I'll pay you back, and, man, tomorrow. I just need some money right yeah. now. For what? Don't worry about for what. Just give me some money. Yeah. So I ended up paying the guy, and I, I got. And they're the BRMs I have today. Wow. So the ones on the car, original mag, magnesium BRMs? Yeah. Wow. And so so I, I come home from the event, and I have them, you know, I had them polished and painted them and, and did my thing with them. And I ended up putting those on, and that and that's, you know, when it popped. But 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 at that time, you know, a set of BRMs on a car like that, it, it was still like seeing a unicorn. It was still a very unusual thing. Yeah, it's before they reproduced them. Oh yeah, a, a few years before. So all the BRMs you saw were real. Yeah, that's and, nice. And 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 this was in like November of '89, and um, you know, so and so I put the put the BRMs on, lowered the front. And I, you know, and it's, it started to evolve into basically what it is, you know, the, the look is very similar. And, um, so I put a Lacar steering wheel and kind of changed the dash up a little bit. And, um, it ended up, I, I started driving at places. I drove it to Sears point and I drove it to, I think I drove it to Phoenix and stuff. And then, um, I can't remember. It was, uh, maybe Bruce Samerta, RK Smith or, um, 
I, I can't remember who, you know, they approached me about featuring the car. And at the time, you know, we were, you know, at the time, uh, like Dave Mason had gotten a set of BRMs and Hector Bonilla and there was Dave Rhodes and Gary Berg and my friend Jim Lau, who, who, who originally assembled Stefan's car, the, uh-huh. the white oval. And so, and I told, I, I can't remember if I told, uh, Bruce or RK, I go, well, instead of just making a feature of my car, why don't we feature all of these, you know, do something with all of these cars, right? All the cow and, look, all the traditional cow look cars. And so that's how that ended up on the cover. And, and there was, you know, a couple little car features inside. And then, you know, there's kind of a little cowlick blurb and, uh, you know, kind of a BRM blurb. And that, that was, that was the first time that that had been in print basically of kind of what was going on in Orange County. Like the, uh, the official birthing of the cow look like of, of the renaissance of it, I guess. Sure. Well, I mean that I think the cow, so before the original 1975 edition of hot VWs, that's the California look. Did they ever have a California look special other than the one that, that came out in 1990 when they started doing that? They started doing like every year they started doing a cow look special. Yeah. They kind of did cow look specials, you know, I, I think through that whole period, but the definition had changed. You know, the definition had gone away from, you know, subtle performance based cars into more, uh, show cars basically, right. you know, with the loud paint and the loud radio and that whole thing. And so when, when they featured all of us on the cover of September 90, that's when that the tide had changed, you know, and, and it, and it took, well, it, it took a, a little bit, but not very long. And, and, you know, we, we went to classic and we, we did stuff. And then, you know, that, that, that was a, that was a bowling ball that didn't stop rolling. You know, it, yeah. it, it kind of, kind of went from there. Now on that car, you, you at some point were invited to take that car overseas. Yes. It's actually been overseas twice. Really? So, so, um, and how the, does um, one, how does one manage to get his car overseas? Somebody else's dime. You know what? I have no idea. You know what? It's the biggest blessing to me. I never asked for it, you know, and it just sort of happened. And um, that I guess I was the guy they wanted to go, so I went. (laughs) I I didn't. I'm not mad at you. I'm just trying to figure out how the games played. I I didn't say no, you know, (laughs) but um, but in 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 the with the ragtop history. You know, it, when when it was featured in Hot VWs, it had a 1776, a very mild, typical drivetrain at the time. And I, and I drove it to Seattle and back, and I, I drove it to all the events, you know, that I had time for. But um, probably in, oh gosh, late 91, 92, mm-hmm. I, you know, just, I started assembling a motor and trans because I, I can't not have a fast car it would drive me crazy so you know i went down that road again sure and it kind of morphed into a a really fast street car for lack of a better term yeah and it and you know gary's car was a was a finely finished fast car and and i think that's i think that's what how mine gained notoriety i guess is because um i know in the mid 90s you know i started going mid 12s on pump gas 
you know, and being completely drivable, which not many people did at that time. No. And it, w- it was a fully finished car that was, you know, capable of, you know, pulling a car show trophy and capable of going mid 12s. Yeah, it wasn't, I, it wasn't a hollowed out like show. It wasn't it wasn't a stripped down version of a car. Yeah. And and, and I think people could see that. And, you know, because, you know, you, you look at a, a pro turbo car or pro stock, you know, a, a high end VW race car. And, you know, to most people and, you know, that that's not an attainable thing, you know, right. to, to spend a hundred thousand bucks on a, on a race car and trailer and the whole rigmarole to get it out there. And I think what people saw out of the DKP cars of that time, you know, that were, that were starting to go fast and were finally finished and stuff you know, that was something that if you worked hard, any man could have. And I think that's what his appeal was, is it was it was an obtainable thing to somebody if they really wanted it. Yeah. And um, so I raced it. And, it. It kind of told people you don't have to have a million bucks to have a, a, a clean, simple street car that could yeah. go quick. And um, so I raced it and did its thing. And um, it got feet, you know, and, and at the time. Keith Soom from England from at the time Volksworld was starting to come over and he, he had started uh, paying attention to the Cowlick scene and, and him and Ivan McCutcheon mm-hmm. of Volksworld magazine. And um, so they started featuring, you know, my car and the, and the DKP cars at the time. And um, that's what kind of made it into an international event, I think or international scene was, um, uh, and, and Eric Geyser, uh, VW trends, you know, he was, he was featuring, uh, us cars in, uh, British magazines. So I think bringing that, bringing something that was kind of a little bit under the radar in, in orange County to an international venue or international eyes. Yeah. You know, it, it just kind of blossomed from there. And then um, in and Keith wrote the original Cowlick book, which which, you know, just all it did was tell the if you lived in, in Orange County, you know, you knew all the stories. All it did was publish. Those stories, the you know, of Dirkliner, yeah. Pan, of Dirkliner Panzer and who did what, when and, um, you know, brought uh brought a story to, to the cars and, you know, romanticized it a bit and, um, you know, made it something. And, um, so in 96, um, I, my car, Dave Rhodes and, uh, Ron Townsend and Steve or Steve Ortega, the two, two race cars and two street cars. We went to, we went to Beetle Bash in England and which was just, it was awesome. Oh, yeah. You know, it was just crazy. Yeah, it's a different, you know, it's a, they've got a they've got a completely different scene over there. Like their car show scene is totally different, but not in a bad way. You know. Oh yeah, no, it it was awesome. And so they they came back and and you know and we're still racing them. You know, and Dirk Kleiner Panzer is starting to get uh, more and more uh, known, I guess. And and right. you know, a couple of years later, we're doing the events at at, at you know Dairy Clean, Nick's, whatever it is. And then um, in 2012, um, I'm friends with uh, 
now Fujito, who is now the president of Flat Four. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've had Japanese friends and, and English friends and Belgian friends over the years. But um, Moon Eyes, who puts on the Yokohama Hot Rod Custom Show, they were doing, um, you know, each year is a different theme. And in 2012, Volkswagens were, were the theme. Mm -hmm. So the Schley brothers and myself went to Japan that year. And um, the Yokohama Hot Rod Custom Show, I mean, it, it pulls, you know, it's a 20,000-person event. I mean, it's an enormous event. And um, that, that was just uh, a crazy thing. It's something I, I'll never forget my entire life. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, it's got to be cool, especially to be – and you, you were able to get your car there to that event? Oh, yeah. Well, it was, you know, because it's part of the show. So mm -hmm. that was Moon Eyes um, – you know, they handle the, the, the logistics and that whole thing. Each year they bring a bunch of motorcycles and hot rods and stuff. And, and like I said, Volkswagens happened to be the ones that year. And so we went and um, it was just crazy. It was, you know, they, they put on an absolute first class event. And nice. um, so, so I went to Japan too. But, you know, the whole thing, you know, I, I – you know, I've been I've been reading car magazines since I was a little kid, since I was five years old. And yeah. you see the cars in the magazine, and it's a big deal and all that. And um, you know, to to have that happen to me, I never asked for it. I never expected it. I just did it, you know, because I because I like cars. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, to to ha to have that happen in my life has just been such a blessing. And and. You know, it's like lightning in a bottle. You, you you couldn't do it twice, and you couldn't explain to somebody how it happened and or why it happened and why people like my car and why they don't. I don't know. I, I seriously don't know because I've had it 30 years, and I, I look at it and so you know it's a, it's an old Volkswagen. It, it, you know, it's fast. It'll scare the daylights out of you, but at the end of the day, it's a piece of metal. Right. But uh, you know, it, it's it, it it's you know, changed my life. You know, it's been a really great thing for me and my family. Well, you know, I, I think that's one of the things with the V with, with the Volkswagens in general. I mean, it's a particular type of individual that, 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 that has it. And you know that there's a, there's some similarity into the individual because you have to be resourceful. You've got to be creative. You've got to be able to work quickly in a panic situation. I mean, there's a lot of things that make, <laughs> make everybody an equal, but like looking at another guy in a Volkswagen, you know, you both have experienced like the pain of a broken clutch cable and trying to go over a hill yeah. or, yeah. You, you, or all the varied things. But it's like some of my closest friends I met through the VW scene because we're just diehard enthusiasts and we might only see each other once every, every year at a show but we've become, you know, friends and like great connections, and 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 it's 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 been a huge part of my life. I mean, my uh, my my kids, that's all they know, are Volkswagen. Like, Dad likes Volkswagens, and we got to go ride yeah. a dopey bus somewhere because Dad's making us go. And it's like, you know, and and it's just been such a huge thing, and and, and it's and it's and it's part people, part cars, and it's and it's all this, it's all just this huge uniting deal that brings us all together, and it's. I mean, and you can do it for a long, long time, you know, and they're still attainable. As rare as they are, you can still find them in a backyard and build them for nothing or, or do the yeah. smart thing and buy them done. 
<laughs> yeah, at, at thirty cents on the dollar. Right. I mean, listen, <laughs> I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna argue with you. That is the smart money. But I think to some extent, all of us in our head are still that sixteen-year-old kid with, you know, with his saved-up summer job money or his paper route cash, and he's gonna build, he's gonna build himself a cool car that'll get the same respect as the guy in the mini trucks. But it'll be yeah. cooler because he built it with his hands versus that guy went to the store and bought it. You know. Well, we just did that with with one of my daughters. We we did a seventy one Gia, and you know my my rag top with the engine and trans. You know it, it it doesn't have a budget. You know whatever it needs, it needs, and whatever it costs, it costs. You yeah. know you just spend the money and get it over with. But when it when I got her Gia going, it was like I was a kid again. You know because it's. It's a it's a patina car, you know, kind of a ratty old car, That's and and deal. you're doing stuff on a budget, and when it, we got it running and driving, and it was just such a happy time, and you know, it's got no interior and you know nothing this and that, but it was just such a it was such an experience. It made me a kid again, you know, for the struggle of of you know screwing a car together, you know, as a kid. Yeah. But I, I had a really great time doing that. It, it was fun. Well, you know, it, 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 it's, I think that, you know, I, I've, t- I've talked to a lot of people about it and I, and I make a connection to that movie Corvette Summer. And I think yeah. when, when we're young and impressionable, we see that movie and here's a guy who's just a kid with no money scratched together and he gets this car that's impossible to build and he builds it, gets it back on the road. And it's this thing that we have in our head that we're going to build this. We can do it. You know, we, we can see that car that's abandoned in a field and breathe some life back into her and make her like a like back to life you know and that's that's one of the one of the coolest parts about the scene is just all these people putting these cars back on the road well that's what i i I, my daily car is a 77 westphalia bus so i so i have a type four but um you know i bought it out of the driveway you know it was on four flat tires that whole thing and you know when you when you walk up on something and whether it's a house or a car or or you know, antique or anything like that. And you can see through stuff. You see through the, through the rattiness and you can see its potential of what it could be. That that's, that's what we do. You know, when you, when you buy something shiny and all that, I mean, yes, it is cheaper and it's much easier, but um, the potential is already there. But when you can see the potential and you have to make that happen, it's fun. And and when you see a you know, an old bug that's, you know, sat in a driveway for 30 years and, Think, yeah, man, I can make that thing run. You know, you know clean out the fuel system and <laughs> right. you know new new brakes and, and monkey around with it, and it'll probably run. Yeah, and sometimes sometimes a little too much. You know what I mean? I, listen, you're talking yeah. to guys. I'm in the middle of three projects right now because these were just like, ah, yeah. oh, these will just be quick weekend projects. And now you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it never and and curse for it's me. The put- you know, I ended up but getting it's- too much land, so here I am with too many projects. But yeah, but. But it's seeing through things and seeing the potential of something that's on its way out. That, that, that's what I like. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely it's definitely uh, w- one of the benefits of the hobby is like, I mean, you don't even have to find something and buy something from someone else. You can just go find. You can drag something. I have a '63 ragtop that I'm <laughs> that I'm searching for that I built back in uh, back in 1990. I drug it out of the junkyard after my '64 got totaled, and then I built it. I, ha- I wrapped the car up in about 93 and then I got upset. I got mad because I blew my motor and I was like, I'm done with this. I'm done spending money on <laughs> yeah. Volkswagens. It's for sale. And in 1990, I sold this car for 3,500 bucks with no motor. Yeah. Which was like, well, 
you know, but now I'm looking for the car again and I'm just wishing like, oh man, I drug the car to the junkyard. She's mine. I breathe, I breathe <laughs> life back into her. There's a connection there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm a, I'm a car guy and I always will be. And you know, I'm just doomed. I'll be doing this till I'm dead. You know, <laughs> I don't yeah, have a choice. It, it's, it's just one of those things where, where it never, it never gets old because it's always something cool, unique and, and a, another adventure, whether it's hunting for them or getting them running, getting some cars been parked for 25 years and getting it running in a weekend or, or hunting for the deals of these really cool relics that have been out there and have disappeared, but you know, getting them all back on the road, getting them built, put back together. And then they take on the life of your 59 and how yeah. lucky that car has been to be appreciated wherever it's been and whoever's been able to see it and how many people have been inspired by that car to go build their own street car. Yeah. I, I'm, I, like I said, I, I'm, I am absolutely humbled by what that thing's become. You know, I, I I own it, but not really, you know, it's, it's just sort of its own entity somehow, you know, it's just in the garage, but, um, I don't know, you know, like I say, it's lightning in a bottle, you know, I couldn't sell it and build another one and have it do the same thing. It it, it just wouldn't happen again. You can't do that twice. No, no, I agree. Well, listen, man, I, I, I tell you, we got lots more to talk about. We've been at it for a little bit and I know you're in the middle of something and I promised to have you back on here because I was looking through your Instagram page and I saw that you were a factory writer for CW and no, I was a, I was a factory power light writer for power, (laughs) power light writer. And I want to do, I want to talk about some some of that early BMX stuff and I want to get back on the podcast and do some of this stuff again. But I know that, uh, you're, uh, You've been gracious enough to give me some time, and we've been at it for like an hour so far. So, um, so what's next for you on the scene for you? What are you? What's next, new and exciting for you? Well, we are in the midst of moving. We're moving cross country. Um, we're going to be moving to Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm, I'm taking all my useless cars with me. So, whoever's back east will probably be seeing those at some point. So look out, in yeah. Knoxville. Here comes here comes the cow <laughs> look, huh? Yeah, but. Um, it's just time for a, a bit of a change of pace and uh, so I can slow my life down a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I want to keep going to events while, while I still have fun with it. And um, so people will see me out there sometime. No, that's awesome, man. Well, I look, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and, and getting a lot of the history because what I do, I, I do want to get you back on here and we have another podcast because I want to talk about the I want to talk about the car clubs and some of the differences and some of the history because you were, you were around with DKK for a while too. Oh yeah. That was my, that was my first club. And at, at the time that was the, that was the premier, you know, club of the very late seventies, you know, early eighties. And, um, that was a lot of fun. I was very thankful to be in DKK and I'm friends with, you know, most of them to this day. Yeah. And I'd love to, I'd love to talk about, when we, well, because I promise to have you back on the podcast because we're going to keep you threaded into this thing, and uh, I do, I do definitely want to talk about the kind of the differences between DKK, DKP, the origins of of where DKK comes from, some of the stuff that was going on in the club scene back then. So we got, we still got a lot more to talk about, but I promise to have you on another episode. And, okay. Uh, Man, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, you plan to come back out for any of this? Well, listen, there's this whole thing with the classic, which is, I guess, the classic is no more. I don't know what Prado's in the dirt. <laughs> well, <laughs> and it's you in, know what? It's, listen, I, listen. If I wanted to be hot at a park, I'd stay in Vegas. <laughs> I'm 
I well, nothing against the, what the guys do with Prado, but it's just one of those things where it's like it was really, really hot this year, and it was like, yeah. and I like going to California. I'm from the desert. I go to California for like a cool ocean breeze and some some paved streets and some <laughs> some, <laughs> some some nice surroundings. But uh, I don't know if, what's going to happen with all that because you guys are doing the Friday the week before, correct? Well, I think. Um... This past year, we did we did a, a, a Friday to support Bug In. Mm-hmm. So I don't, um, yeah, I, I don't quite know. But um, you know, all things change and all things go through transition, and that's just what what's going on now. So who know who knows how things will be in the future? But that this is the current state. Yeah. So, but um, well, we'll so hopefully we'll hopefully I'll see you at another event. So you plan on coming back out for any of those events during the summertime? I mean, obviously you'll be saving so much money on taxes living in Tennessee. <laughs> you'll have nothing but tons of bank loads of money for for uh, yeah. seventy nine dollar flights. I don't know if they're seventy nine bucks from Knoxville, but uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, inexpensive no, I, I, I'm, stuff like that to I'm, get back to California every now and again for events. I'm sure I'll poke my head in here and there. I am certain of that. Well, cool, man. Well, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast, man. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you at the next event when I do see you. And uh, huh. I appreciate appreciate what you've done for the hobby with with DKP getting it started back up with those couple guys. And uh, definitely want to get some more some more of the guys on the podcast just to kind of document some of the history of what's taken place over the past so many years. So, Bill, thanks okay. thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you so much. It's been an honor, Bill. I, I really enjoyed my time. Hey, thank you. If you guys enjoyed the podcast, make sure you go on and rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. So now it's time for the shout-outs. Our shout-outs for this week is first one is one bad 59 Sean Barry says, Bill, keep up the great work. Your content and questions keep the entire community wanting more, which you continue to deliver. My nine-year-old son met your son at Prado last year, and we listened on the way home. I have listened to all your episodes since then, continually checking for next episode. Can't wait to see you and shake your hand at the next show we're at. Thanks again, Sean Barry. So, Sean Barry, sounds like a classy dude. Uh, let's see here. We got Insty1. He's This guy says, great VW news. I recently bought my very first Beetle. I've owned about every other kind of vehicle, but this is absolutely the one that will stick. Bill gets some great guests on with many, uh, and many with some super relevant history in the VW world. Five stars just because I can't give them ten. That's a smart dude right there, man. Classy, another classy individual. So if you don't want to be low class, but you want to be full first class, go on and rate our podcast. Give us a five-star review, and don't forget to share the podcast. Until next week, guys, later. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have a